It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. What a difference a week makes, and that is unfortunate. Last week when we got together at this time, the Blue Jackets were 7-3. and three. They were feeling good about themselves. They had a three-game winning streak intact. And this week, coming into the show, the Blue Jackets have dropped back-to-back games to two Metropolitan Division rivals, the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers. The two games were different in the way that they were played. The Blue Jackets uh, were tied late in the game with the Capitals on Friday, gave up a goal in the final two minutes that led to them losing 4-3. to three. And against the Rangers, they had a lead. They watched the Rangers in the second period score three times in a span of a minute and three seconds and go on to beat the Blue Jackets 5-3 to three, the final in that one. So a tough weekend, but I did tell you last week, and if you don't believe me, go back and re-listen to it. I said... Don't forget this is a young team. This is a team that has yet to really deal with much adversity. And when they deal with the adversity, then we're going to see what they're really made of. And that's what lies in front of the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. They faced adversity over the weekend, and they lost not once but twice. Now tonight, they are at home to take on the Detroit Red Wings. This is another team that beat them in the first matchup between the two this season. That was in Detroit a couple of weeks ago. The Blue Jackets didn't get off to a good start and never got going in that game in Detroit. So tonight they have a chance to finish off a homestand, get a win, feel better before getting on a plane and heading to Arizona for a game later in the week. So adversity is here. How does this young team respond to the adversity? That's what we begin to see tonight. But right now, let me tell you about Telhio Credit Union. You know, at Telhio Credit Union, they have a lot of simple things and they have a lot of things that you might not think that they have. What are you talking about? Okay, simple things. How about uh, they've got a checking account? But they've got not just one kind of checking account. They have different levels of checking accounts for you. Go through, figure out what you're looking for. How much money are you going to have in that checking account on a regular basis? That's going to factor into some of your decision. You know, all kinds of things. And all of the information is right there at tellhio.org. Savings account, yeah, that's simple. Business consolidation loan, or I mean a debt consolidation loan, yeah, they've got those. But as you search through, you might find a lot of perks that Tellhio Credit Union offers that you're not getting at the financial institution that you're dealing with right now. The only way you know is by checking it out. It is really just that simple. Go online to tellhio.org, surf through the site, click on the different tabs. The information is right there at your fingertips. If it's during business hours and there's something you can't find, there's a, uh, a button on the side, on the right-hand side. You can just click there and you can get the live chat help. Somebody will pop up on your screen and they'll help you right then and there. Again, it's really just that easy. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, before I get to your questions, and I have a bunch of them this week, as you might imagine, that came to me via my email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com, or on Twitter, where you can find me at bobbymacksports. But a couple of weeks ago, I made a promise. I forget who asked the question about uh, the ice surface, and I believe it was after the Blue Jackets played the Rangers at Madison Square Garden, or maybe it was the Devil's game uh, two days later. It doesn't matter. I promised you that I would 
uh, find out about the ice. And I would go to the source to find out about how the ice is made, uh, the process of maintaining the ice. And one of the things that I was very interested in, especially since it was right after that game at Madison Square Garden where the question was asked, I was very interested in uh, buildings that have a lot of different events that go on besides hockey and how that affects the ice. So uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre has been holding my feet to the fire on this. He said, hey, don't forget, a couple of weeks ago, you promised that you were going to answer those questions about the ice. And today I have the answers for those questions because I got together with Blue Jackets ice technician Ian Huffman to talk to him about the various ways that he and his crew go about maintaining the ice at Nationwide Arena. Let's just start at the beginning. You lay down the ice for the season, the process uh, with me. You know, how, how much water do you have to put down? How thick is the ice? How do you go through the whole thing? So we start with two, probably two to three coats of water, and then we'll do two coats of white paint, and then we'll do probably four or five coats of water on top of that just to kind of seal it. And we put lines and logos in, all the markings in, uh, and then we'll build about an inch and a quarter on top of that. So in total, it's about 15,000 gallons. That's a lot of water to put on there. Uh, people always ask why in some buildings and on some nights the puck seems like it bounces around. One of your main jobs is to make sure that the ice is good all the time. You guys want to make sure the puck is flat on the ice as much as possible. But why is that? That What, what conditions can come into play where sometimes the puck is just not what the players want and not what you want as a nice technician? I think the biggest, the biggest thing on, on our end that, that causes the puck to bounce is the humidity in the building. Um, you know, the, the planing blade that's on the machine, the lay in the water, a, a lot of that, you know, doing that part is going to allow it to travel across the ice. Uh, once you get snow accumulation or heavy, heavier snow at times, uh, depending on the conditions, uh, and then if it's if it's humid in the building, it's going to be a wetter snow, and that's going that's what's going to disturb that that travel across the ice. Uh, the, the the biggest thing for me is how how the puck comes off the stick or comes off the boards. Uh, if it doesn't come off flat and it gets air under it, then it then it's you know you're kind of in trouble from the start, and that's that's kind of what I watch. If it, if it's a tape to tape. You know, comes off the stick clean to the to the stick. You know, that's what I want to see. Uh, you know, last night I watched Nyquist, you know, break away. And, you know, the whole time all I'm doing is watching the puck, making sure it sits flat for him so that he can do whatever he wants with it. And that's exactly what he did. And I was I was really happy with it. You know, for, you know, the goal aside, that's what I was watching. Because, you know, if it starts to roll on him and he's, you know, second guessing what, what he's going to be able to do with it at that point, you know, that's that's what I'm watching. So. Because eventually they're going to get back to you and say, Ian, I might have had a goal, but the puck rolled up on me. Absolutely, and that's that's not what I want. You know, there's there's enough other other reasons that, you know, a goal can happen. So, um, you know, on our end. But, yeah, something like that, absolutely, that's what we're watching. So, Are there some days where you know the humidity is going to be a problem? And what kind of things can you do to control that uh, in the building? Is there anything you can do? Uh, I think the biggest part at that point, um, just trying to keep the snow cu- accumulation down. Uh, part of that would be, um, you know, not, you know, you don't want to build too much ice. Um, if you if you're skating on new ice, it tends to be a little bit snowier. So what we'll do, kind of before that game, is kind of make sure that the um, the the ice we're skating on has been skated in, so that we can that'll help keep our snow accumulation down, which keeps that wet snow off the ice. Um, you know, sometimes you can't help it because you got to build ice, you know, in and out of shows and you know back-to-back games and things like that. You, you know, you got to put the ice back at some point. So, uh, but you try to get ahead of it as best you can, and on nights like that where you can anticipate it, 
you know, you do your best to keep that snow down and it's, it's a little bit better play. So I'm glad you brought up shows because that's the next thing I was going to ask you, how that affects things when you have to go in there, cover the ice, you're putting up a stage, there are going to be people that are sitting on the floor, which means that they're on top of that ice. Uh, a lot of buildings in the league, they have an NBA team in the same building, so they're constantly putting down the basketball floor, taking it up, and, put, and the ice is back again. How do those kind of things affect the ice? What extra things do you have to do, if any, to get it back to where you want it for a game? I think the the biggest part is the preparation before it goes down, whether it's, you know, making sure, you know, if we're coming out of a concert right into a game the next day, I need to make sure, you know, I can't go in expecting to have a day to build ice before before the game starts or to, you know, do any other maintenance. It, it needs to be ready basically when it gets covered. So getting ahead of it on the schedule, things like that. Um, you know, if it's not covered for too long, it's it really doesn't hurt the ice. Um, the longer it's covered, it'll start to dehydrate a little bit. Uh, so at that, it's just a, a good cleanup, a good shave, I guess, um, just to kind of knock that dehydrated ice off. It's just more brittle, basically. Uh, so if we if we can go out and knock that off and put some some fresh ice down, it's it's a better skate for them. So um, you know, in, t- in terms of our building, we're not as busy as many of the other buildings in the league. So I guess I'm kind of lucky in that regard that you know I get to see my ice a lot more than other guys do. So. Uh, you know, less less excuses for me to you know to not to have a bad day. Um, so, you know, I kind of kind of keep that in the back of my mind that you know there's other guys that you know Staples Center they only see their ice on game days a lot of times. So, you know that it's you know here it's take advantage of the time you have and, and make it as best you can. So, let me ask you about a, a, an event like Disney on Ice because if you come in during that, there's no logos on the ice. It's just uh, plain ice. Uh, a lot of times how do you do that how do you cover everything up do you tear it all out or are you just building up and painting over and then you shave it back down yeah so we'll, we'll go out and actually white out the hockey markings basically from you know probably 30 feet off each end uh through the whole neutral zone then uh just white everything out and then build a sheet on top of a sheet so uh they'll come in load in we'll we'll have that done uh for them you know prior to the load in they'll skate on skate on it all week and then we'll shave it back down so once that white we get down to that white paint and we we get that shaved out we're back to to the hockey rink so one last thing for you you're not just doing the ice here the nhl has used you many times for outdoor games uh, in different locations where is the most challenging place that you've gone with the league to to set up the ice and and hold an outdoor event um, I've probably seen all the, you know, every climate, you know, Chicago was really cold. LA was unseasonably warm in January is in the eighties. Um, but I think probably Dallas a couple years ago, um, everybody, you know, if you paid attention to it, we basically lost the sheet, uh, four days before the event, you know, down to the paint and everything. So, uh, we got lucky the, the four days afterwards that the weather was ideal enough to put everything back together and have the game. But yeah, I mean, that kind of tested, uh, you know, the abilities of the crew and the timing and being able to, you know, if something like that would happen, what are we going to do? Because we hadn't seen it before and, you know, two dozen games or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, with the wind, the warm, the rain, you know, it was uh, just the worst combination I guess you could have. So, um, you know, maybe one day it will be in Tampa and we'll see how that goes or, you know, so somewhere down south. But, uh, yeah, that was probably the most challenging for sure. Well, Ian, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. People always ask this question. I'm always curious uh, because when we go into different buildings, uh, you see different things. And I think it's like if you go to a baseball field and you look at the manicured lawn, people know there's a lot of work that has to be put into that to keep it like that. And I don't know how many people realize that you have to do the same thing with a sheet of ice. Uh, It might not stand out as much, the work that you put into it, but you guys do a fantastic job. And I know the players notice it a lot.
Yeah, no, it's you know it's a it's a fun gig and you know you, it's a grind sometimes, but that I think that's a, the fun part of it too is getting through the grind and being successful at the end of it. And you know you don't you know you want to be part of their success as well, and that's that's what you and they rely on for you to do. So uh, it's yeah, it's a good gig. It is a pretty good gig. That's Ian Huffman, Blue Jackets ice technician, and how he and his crew take care of the ice at Nationwide Arena. That was a very lengthy answer to a question from a couple of weeks ago, but once again showing my dedication to fulfilling my promises to you. And Jean-Luc Grandpierre, avid listener to this program, again, holding my feet to the fire, making sure that I didn't forget. So now you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. All right, it's time to get to your questions right now, and let's go to our first voice question of the show. Hey, Bob, it's Greg in Cleveland. So I listened to the Inside Edge interview yesterday with Cole Sillinger, And was it just me, or did it sound like 28-year-old Cole Sillinger was narrating the life of 18-year-old Cole Sillinger? That kid is so wise beyond his years, he's definitely got it locked down. And kudos to his folks for that, too. But I was really impressed with that interview. So I guess this is more of a question for Jody Shelley, because it was mentioned during the interview. Jody was saying, you know, we got to get Cole, got to get Cole before the draft. We end up getting him. What was it that he saw in Cole that separated him from all the other talent in that draft pool? Because whatever it was, it proved to be accurate. So maybe Jody's got a future as a scout, too. Who knows? Um, second thing I wanted to mention, Annie May on the Rewind. Great energy. Love her on there. Thanks, Bob. Well, Greg, a couple things right there. First of all, I'm glad you enjoyed that interview with Cole Sillinger. And yes, he does sound mature beyond his years. There's no doubt about that. He plays more mature beyond his years. Uh, he talks the same way. So it was very fun to have that conversation with him. And... As far as why Jody wanted to get him so bad, and I, well, I'm going to speak for Jody because he's not here, but Jody talked with Cole's dad, former Blue Jacket Mike Sillinger, a lot about Cole. And it was just a conversation where, you know, Mike could break his son down in very uh, good, plain detail for Jody and uh, was just talking to him about Cole and how Mike thought that this is a perfect fit for Cole. Uh, where he can break into the National Hockey League, where he can get an early chance, where he can showcase his skills, all of those things. And they have turned out to be correct. I mean, this kid, uh, if you haven't heard that interview on the Inside Edge, you should really go back and listen to it because it's really plain as day. He grows up with a couple of brothers. He has to basically compete and fight for everything that he gets. Uh, He is just a, a hockey nut when it comes to being... Uh, fully engaged in the game and wanting to get better at every single thing that he does. A real student of the game is what Cole Sillinger is. And again, Jody talking with Mike Sillinger is really would put him over the top because Mike knew that this would be a great opportunity for Cole if the Blue Jackets could get him in the draft, which they did, and it has turned out to be a fantastic opportunity. So uh, that is the backstory on that. And if I missed anything, I will make sure to uh, you know, have Jody talk about it a little bit further for you. But I think I got it. I think that I've got everything on that. And uh, thanks for the compliment, too. I will make sure that uh, your compliment about the CBJ Rewind gets passed along. I know she's going to appreciate that as well. All right, let's go to our next question. Now, this is from Bakes. And, you know, I was on Bakes a couple of weeks ago to try to get his questions down to a certain amount of time. And I think as he was trying to get this one down to a certain amount, uh, it got messed up a little bit at the beginning. But the whole premise of the question is, Bakes is asking me if it were up to me, 
when Rick Nash was traded to the New York Rangers if I would have done it? That's that's the premise of the question, and here's the rest of the question. We had just gotten Jack Johnson, who was a big prospect from the Kings. Um, you know, I just I, I I've disagreed with people for years that Nash needed to go. Dubinsky was great, but you can't tell me that Brandon Dubinsky made a would have made a bigger impact as he did than Rick Nash would have made playing in that same Pittsburgh playoff series. Um, I just, and Anisimov was in a different deal. Um, People always try to clump him in and say, oh, then we got Saad and then got Panarin. I bet Yarmo still finds a way to get Panarin. Um, But if if Rick Nash is the captain and here, do you think Ryan Johansson comes up and is a showboaty center? Me, no, uh, me first guy? No, I don't think so. I think Nash was well revered as one of the greatest players in the game. And does it affect the Ryan Murrays and some of the other picks um, and guys that we had? Uh, uh, the Jeff Carter's the wild card. I'd have kept him here out of spite because I don't like people that do that, and I love my city. But I, I just I think it's a shame that Nash never got to play for the Blue Jackets again. It was always rumored by so-and-so that knows Nash or played golf with him and just never happened. But I think retiring his number ensures that he's part of our front office and Blue Jacket family for a long time, whether it's GM in waiting, president in waiting, or just as an ambassador for the team. And I love that it's happening. I wish he'd have stayed. And, you know, when we're, he was a kid uh, when he asked to leave. Um, I just think it would have been different. I'd have told him, you just signed an eight year deal. I'm not trading you right now. Give it a year, see how you feel. And I think the Blue Jackets would have been better off for the last 10 years. And we probably still would have had the Tampa sweep. Um, but you don't know. And uh, it, it's hard. But I wouldn't trade traded him. And I'd like to know your thoughts looking at the whole landscape. But congrats to Rick Nash and go Jackets. Bakes, you know, you pretty much torpedo your own argument here. You really do. Because... Late in your question or rant or whatever you want to call it there, uh, late there you said that he was just a kid when he asked to leave. The key words are asked to leave. So to go back to the premise of the question, when you ask me, would you have traded him? Yes. And if your question next is why, because he asked to leave. There, it's just um, not really a great situation to be playing somebody that doesn't want to be there. And look, you know, Rick has said that he felt the team could get better, and he was the most tradable asset in the whole nine yards. So I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to paint him as a bad guy here. You know, whatever the thinking was at the time is what it was. Okay, that was fine. But he's your captain, and he's the leader. And if the leader doesn't want to be there, what kind of uh, what kind of an example is that for everybody else? And then, you know, you bring in Ryan Johansson. I don't think Ryan Johansson would have been different uh, regardless of who was here, quite frankly. 
Um, and it, But let's go back to, it, there's some other things here that I, I think you're completely overlooking. When you talk about, you know, Nash could have been better than Dubinsky in the Penguin series, that's really hard to to justify. When Dubinsky was involved in that huge game-tying goal that then uh, Nick Felino went on to win the game on home ice in game four of that Penguin series, I mean, that was grit. That, that was all-out grit that got that game back to a tie. And when Brandon Dubinsky came in here at the time, that was a big deal. The way he played was a big deal and starting to form the identity of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think you can really make a logical argument with me that is going to change my mind about that. I, I don't. And here's another thing that you have wrong in this. Artem Anisimov was part of that deal. It was Dubinsky, Anisimov, defenseman Tim Erickson, and a first-round pick. And Dubinsky never played anywhere else. Uh, Anisimov got traded for Brandon Saad, which then eventually turned into Artemi Panarin. So anybody that tells you that that, that was a, a key point, I think that's fair. And they, I think they win that argument on that. Tim Erickson didn't amount to be anything, played a little bit here, wound up bouncing around after that. The first round pick they used on Kirby Reichel, and that was not good. But here's one more thing, and this is to be devil's advocate. This isn't to pick on Rick Nash. This is facts, and this is devil's advocate. For you to you know, come out and say, well, they could have done this in the playoffs and that in the playoffs. Rick Nash was here for a playoff series. They didn't win a single game, okay? But break it down how, however you want to. The fact of the matter is he asked to go. If it was to help the organization get better or whatever, fine. He went. The organization did get better. And now he is back. And now, in March, his number will be raised to the rafters. So that's it, in a nutshell, right? I mean, that's the circle of life, as they say. Uh, He was here. He was a great player while he was here. For whatever reason, he decided that he should go. And then he comes back in a different role, never as a player again, unfortunately. I think that would have been kind of nice. But um, that was gone. That option was beyond him. But he's still here, and he's going to help to really form the the future of this franchise, hopefully for a long time. So the initial question, would you have done it? Yeah, I would have done it. I would have done it for all those reasons. And he would still be back for all the same reasons that he is right now, and the number would still be going into the rafters. That's what I think. That's where I'm at on that whole thing. All right? All right, another voice question for you. This one's a special one, too. Here it is. Hey, Bobby, this is Michael Davis in Westerville. I was the very first person that submitted a voice question that you aired. Uh, So if you air this one, that will officially give me bragging rights of at least for a few minutes being the first voice caller you've ever had and the last one. In any case, in all seriousness, there's something that I have noticed this year with the team that I'm scratching my head about a little bit. I'm curious to your thoughts. Uh, We are only averaging you know probably 11 to 14 hits a game I think there was one game maybe the second game against the abs that I felt like we were really physical but when you look through the number of hits we have per game it seems like we are drastically less physical than I can ever remember us being and I'm I'm curious if that's the coaching you know this weekend I thought it was very evident uh, both uh, the Caps and the Rangers just out muscled us uh, if you look at the, the hit statistic not that uh, hits you know not that statistics tell you everything but it just seems like um, we are a much 
lighter team to play against than I can ever remember a Jackets team being. That seems to always have been a a hallmark of ours. So curious to your thoughts. Is it coaching? Is it something else? Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, But it seems like with only one game this season, we just don't have nearly the physicality that, that you normally associate with the Jackets. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the call. I appreciate all you do. And as always, let's go Jackets. Michael, how could you say if I use this question? You never forget your first, right? So you're first. You get to go again. It's as simple as that. I do like uh, the question that you have posed here about the uh, physical or lack of physical play. Look, hits don't always tell you everything. Uh, Hits is kind of a a misleading stat at times, in my opinion, because a lot of times you'll find that the team that is losing the game has more hits because they're running around, they're trying to get the puck, and uh, they're, they're throwing those hits. A little bit more so that stat to me I I there are times I put it in quotation marks however with that being said you are dead on right about this team and its lack of physical play and when you ask what it is is it the coaching no it's the players it's the players and do we have to go right down the line and figure out who the physical ones are because I can do that I can start on the top line Chinikov not physical Voracek, physical to create space for himself, but, you know, not going to be in a fighting type of role. Sillinger, rookie, he can be a little bit physical, but young guy. Uh, Let's go to the next line. Gus Nyquist, not physical. Oliver Bjorkstrand, not physical. He's gotten more physical on the wall to, to battle to get the puck, but, you know, you're talking about finishing checks and laying guys out and, you know, being there if the other team, if Ryan Reeves for the Rangers decides to, start roughing you up. Who's coming to the rescue, right? That's the question you're really asking. And there, there's not much coming. Boone Jenner can be physical, but, you know, again, uh, when's the last time that we saw Boone actually fight? It's been quite some time. All right, what's the next line? Corrali, Robinson, Texier. Corrali will get his nose in there, but, you know, again, it's not a physical line. Those guys are making their mark by – uh, creating plays and scoring goals. And then you've got Roslovic, Hoffman, and I would say Stenland, but he played only a little over three minutes on Saturday night. And Justin Danforth got called up. That doesn't surprise me much at all because if there's nobody left to draw back into the lineup, I think Kevin Stenland, I hate to say this because I love the guy, but it looks to me like uh, it's a same old, same old where he gets a chance and he just can't stick. He, he can't figure out what he's got to do to stay in. So, um, we'll, we'll wait and see what the lineup is for tonight. But uh, So there, I just gave that all to you. Did, did you find anybody really physical that's going to you know, be a, a threat to anybody? I'll answer for you. No. Let's go to the blue line. Zach Wierenski and Jake Bean. No, no. Gavrikov, little bit. Um, Bayreuth has been playing with him. I don't know after the game he had the other night. Does he stay in? Does he come out? Gabriel Carlson, huge guy. Doesn't have that kind of edge to his game. Andrew Peake is the only guy that's out there playing like that. So it's not coaching. It's a makeup of the roster. You know, the roster is that's that's not a, a factor in it right now. And that's why you're not seeing it. It's as simple as that. Now, again, if you're winning games and nobody cares, nobody cares. But what we saw a little bit this weekend, and it was only a, a little tiny bit, but you know how it goes as the season goes on. If you are, if you are in the conversation, if you're hanging with everybody in the division, if you're a threat in the division, the games get tougher, 
as it goes along, and they get more physical as it goes along. And can the Blue Jackets match that physicality? Not, not as it is right now. But again, if you're skating around those guys and you're scoring goals and you're winning, nobody cares. But uh, that is a there's a there's a hole there. There's a hole there in that department. And I know the game has changed, and it's not ten fights a game, or it's not even two fights a game anymore. But there's still a physical element. That's why the Rangers went out went out and they got Barclay Goudreau, and that's why they went out and they got Ryan Reeves. They wanted to be grittier and tougher. That's why they made those kind of moves. So you're, you're dead on. It's a good, good observation by you. All right, let's go to Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, and see what I have there. Uh, let's start with uh, Ryan Marchione. Ryan says, I've heard some people talking about trading Patrick Laine. Do you get where they're coming from? In my opinion, he's 23. He fits the timeline with the young core. He's a game changer when he is on his game. And to me, he's a generational talent that you try to keep around and not trade. Yeah, Ryan, I went through this a couple of shows ago, and I've heard those people too, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, this guy had 10 points in nine games before he got hurt, right? Difference maker, superstar. They don't come along every day. Is he going to cost you money? Yes, he's going to cost you money. Is it going to be money well spent? That's what you have to figure out based on the way that he plays this year, but he he has the potential to be a generational talent. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. So I think that talk is crazy. Uh, next next uh, question here. Uh, All Sleep says, uh, Lassie Thompson is now playing for the Senators. He is who Ottawa drafted with the Blue Jackets' 2019 first-round pick. Any thoughts on what the Blue Jackets really gave up to go all-in for the 2019 playoffs? I know the prospects they traded away are all in Europe, so it seems like it was worth it. I haven't broken it down. I, I I haven't. I don't. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't care because I don't want it, to. It's just like when um, when the Blue Jackets made the trade with the Flyers and the, the Jeff Carter thing, and the first round pick was Sean Couturier. I have never sat and said, "Man, I wish Sean Couturier was playing for the Blue Jackets." And that's not because I don't think he's a good player. It's because it's just you know they they made the deal. They got what they got, and. I'm, I don't like to hindsight 2020 on that stuff. You know what I mean? I don't like to, to look back at it. If you want to, you can. And if it gets, if this Thompson becomes some kind of a great player um, that it's, that you can no longer ignore, well then I'll talk about it. But I just, I, I don't, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I just hate doing that. I don't listen. Anybody that listens to this on a regular basis, they know that draft picks and prospects are things that I just, I, I'm, you know, I shrug them off a lot. I'm not saying I'm right all the time. In fact, I said the other day on the Rink Report, I was with Dylan Tyre, and he was talking about Kent Johnson, what he's doing in uh, the NCAA. And I said, you know, normally prospects means you're not going to see a guy two, three, four years, maybe never. But but this guy's a real deal. I'll talk about him in a minute. So, you know, I like prospects. I like the word prospect when it comes to Kent Johnson. There's some other guys. That you would, I just talked about Kirby Reichel. I was excited about Kirby Reichel when the Blue Jackets used a first-round pick on him. That was wasted excitement. So you never know. And and with this stuff, too, you know, sometimes guys get to the NHL because they were a first-round pick, and sometimes they're good and they stick, and, and sometimes they flame out. So let's let it go a little bit more. If if any part of that trade and, – and listen, I am um, – I, I still don't like the Blue Jackets gave up two second-round picks 
in deals with Ottawa in that whole thing, okay? And maybe that's why I don't want to look, because I hope that that amounted to nothing. But um, if, if, it, if it gets so bad I can't ignore it anymore, then I'll address it. There you go. Betty Keller says, hey, I'm getting frustrated. I'm trying to find the game and the post game on radio. Couldn't find it anywhere Friday or Saturday. Now, Betty, I'm assuming you're in Columbus. And uh, because of Ohio State football, and I know this drives some of you crazy. I, I get it. I understand. But look, um, here's the deal. Ohio State football and basketball is on 97.1 The Fan. When there are conflicts with the Ohio State football and basketball games and the Blue Jackets are playing at the same time, when those things conflict, then we go to 105.7 Columbus Alternative. And I've got to tell you something right now. It's part of the iHeartRadio group, and these people have been wonderful to us. So uh, if you can't find it on one, always go to the other. I know it can be frustrating. I get it, but, you know, we're, we're all... We're all sharing everything together here. And again, the iHeart people have been terrific to us, so we are glad to slide over there. And we're going to be there a lot over the next couple of weeks. Tonight's game is going to be on there, and I believe at least the first two games of this road trip are going to be on there. So uh, Columbus Alternative, 105.7 FM, if you're in Columbus. If you're outside of Columbus, of course, um, the Blue Jackets radio network station in your area will still carry the game. And if you really need to, if you get so frustrated you don't know what to do, just go uh, on your phone to the Blue Jackets app. You can either click the headphones up in the corner or you can scroll down to where it says Listen Live. If you do that, if you go to the Listen Live, which a lot of people don't know about and or they forget about or whatever it is, the, if you go to the Listen Live, you can get the pregame and the postgame and the game itself. If you click on the headphones in the corner, uh, the way the NHL does it, you only get the game itself. So if you're looking for everything, go to the Blue Jackets app, go to Listen Live, or go to bluejackets.com and do that. Um, but again, 105.7 in Columbus is where you can find us when the Buckeyes are playing. Two more things. Anthony Moore says, we know that Kent Johnson is playing well at Michigan, but how does NCAA competition compare to the AHL and other leagues uh, like Cole Sillinger played in last year. Do we expect him to be a starter next year? Cole Sillinger played in the USHL. The USHL feeds the NCAA. So the NCAA is ahead of that. Uh, the The American Hockey League, it depends upon the situation. Uh, the, the game has changed. The game has changed so much. Uh, it used to be that most of your prominent players went to junior, and if they couldn't get right into the NHL, they'd go to the AHL, which made that a really talented league. And then you come to the NHL, which is the most talented league. But college hockey has grown by leaps and bounds, where there are so many kids that used to go play junior that are now going to the NCAA. So uh, I think Kent Johnson is in next year. I think he comes here. I think he makes the team. I think he's playing. Zach Wierenski did it. I mean, Zach only went to the AHL because the Blue Jackets were out of the playoffs. He came right out of Michigan. He went into the American Hockey League. He helped them win a championship in Cleveland, and then he was here the next year and never looked back. So I would expect Kent Johnson to be here next year. I think his skills are going to transfer without anybody blinking. I I really do. I mean, I'm watching what he does. He had, he had four assists the other night. Four, and he's playing on a team that is full of NHL first-round picks, or, or, or NHL picks, not all are first-round. But he's already playing with a really talented team. 
So that's going to help him to be even more ready when he gets here. Again, I just said a little bit ago, normally the word prospect, I go, well, okay, well, let's hold on and see. You know, this guy, we've been seeing. We saw what he did before he got drafted. He's continuing to do that, plus get better after getting drafted. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about him, no question. All right, and finally, one more uh, from the email bag. Corey Schneider sends me an email, and it says... I was able to go to the Rangers game on Saturday, and although we didn't come up with a win, I had a great time with some friends at my first game back since COVID paused the 19 or paused the 2019-2020 season. So, first of all, Corey, welcome back. I'm glad you were able to get back into the building and and be there with your friends. That really is the most important thing. Uh, Corey says, "Here's my question: Why don't we see old classic movie clips and more comedy-oriented moments at the games anymore?" My friends and I were talking about how this was a staple at the old Columbus Chill Games and early in the Blue Jackets' seasons. I know other people remember seeing clips from Happy Gilmore, Animal House, Slapshot, Caddyshack, etc. back in the day. Does this have something to do with copyright issues, political correctness, or change of direction from the NHL to have more of a PG-type tone? I always enjoyed seeing that kind of thing at games, and it seems to have disappeared from sporting events entirely. Well, Corey, uh, not knowing all of the answer, having, again, speculation in my own brain, I reached out to our uh, director of game operations, Derek Dolly, and uh, Derek said, uh, basically, uh, mostly it's because we don't own the rights to movie clips, so we're not legally allowed to use them. And this is what's going on all over sports, by the way. It's happening with the music that is played. It's happening with the things that are being played on the video boards. Um, There have been a lot of professional sports teams that have been sued for using popular music for opening videos and for highlights and all of that stuff. So that's why you're hearing a lot of different things. I mean, in this day and age, you know, remember if you're of age, you remember if you wanted to buy a song, you had to actually go out to the store and you had to buy the recording of the song, whether it was for some of you, maybe you bought an eight track tape, um, you bought a record, you bought a cassette tape, you bought a CD. And now with the streaming and the downloading, you know, it's, it's obviously very easy to, um, to steal songs. And, and that's why the artists now are coming back and they're saying, Hey, we don't think we're getting our fair due. And this is all over the world. I'm not just talking about with sports teams, but when you have sports teams using things and their licensing, uh, licensing agreements involved and all that stuff, you know, um, it's very easy for these groups to come out and start, you know, looking, where can we, uh, where can we try to get, where can we sue and try to get some of this money back? And, um, and that's, what's going on all over the place right now. So you got to be really careful. And that's why a lot of things have disappeared. So that's just, it's sad. It's sad, Corey, but you know, it's a fact. It's, uh, it's how it goes. And I used to like all those all those clips too, you know, now all those movies that you, that you talk about are, uh, well, they're all over 25 years old. So I guess they're, I guess, uh, we all need to get up to date with some more movie clips, but I, I used to love that stuff as a kid and as a teenager and young adult going to games and, and watching that stuff was great. But, um, you know, what's the saying? Uh, sometimes life gets in the way, right? And these artists are just trying to get paid for what they did. And I, you know, I cannot fault them for that. They're out there trying to, 
you know, I, I'm going to say they're trying to make a living, and some of you are going to say they're running around in limousines and they're making a whole bunch of money. And but listen, uh, it's their right. So that's the answer to the question. So I hope that clears it up for you. There are two more here from Twitter. I almost forgot. So this is from Ren Talbert. Ren says. Um, a couple of tough losses there. How different are those games had Patrick Line been available? Well, the answer to that question is they may have been different with the skill set that he brings to the ice. I, you don't know, but uh, you have a pretty good feeling that you might have uh, you might have had something different happen there just because of what he does. Ren says, also, being at the game against the Capitals, I noticed a lot of away fans. How can we establish a stronger presence at home? Just think it should be louder when the home team scores and not the other way around. Yeah, there were a lot of Capitals fans there, and I was a little bit surprised by that. But, um, you know, it's uh, how do you stop it? You just uh, get back to winning, and, and uh, you know, people keep their tickets, and they don't sell their tickets, or tickets aren't available or whatever. So uh, it's really just that. It's really just that. You know, I, I give them credit. I mean, when we go on the road, and there are a lot of Blue Jackets fans, uh, it's noticeable, and it's fun, and I enjoy it. So, Give uh, people credit for traveling. I don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear it. And the other way you can make sure you don't hear them is by just beating them anyway. But um, but i got to give them credit for getting out there and getting on the road. And finally, from Jody. Jody said, uh, this weekend showed us where the Blue Jackets are against Metropolitan teams. Yet on the plus side, Texier and Nyquist are no longer disappearing during the games anymore. Who else would you like to see step up more? Yeah, last week we were on those two guys, and they were – you know, they needed to be better and blah, blah, blah. And this week they were. So um, who do I want to see step up more? How about Jack Roslevic, who has dropped down to, without an argument, the fourth line. No doubt about that. Gregory Hoffman, he's on the list too. He's playing alongside of Roslevic. And whoever winds up on the other side, I don't care who it is. I told you earlier, Stenland didn't uh, really do much the other night. So that line, those guys, those two in particular, and whoever winds up playing with them, those are the ones that I want to see step up. The Blue Jackets, if they want to roll four lines, and they do, right now they've got three of them going. They need that fourth one to become a part of the party. How about that? Blue Jackets in the Detroit Red Wings tonight at Nationwide Arena. Blue Jackets wrapping up this homestand before hitting the road to play in Arizona, Vegas, and Buffalo. Yeah, that didn't even sound right, right? I, that Yeah, I just said right twice. That doesn't even sound right. Arizona, Vegas, okay, that sounds fine. Buffalo, huh. Boy, you talk about ending with a thud there when it comes to the difference in towns and weather and all that stuff. Anyway, um, but tonight the homestand closes out 7 o'clock against the Red Wings at Nationwide Arena. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets Radio Network, and I'll tell you again, 105.7 is where you're going to be able to find the game in Columbus. Uh, you can also find it on TV at Valley Sports Ohio with their pregame starting at 6.30 as well. So there you have it. Blue Jackets and the Red Wings tonight. That's going to wrap up this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Ohio Credit Union. Thanks for all your questions again today. I appreciate it as always. Hope you enjoyed Ian Huffman. Thanks to him for talking to me about how you make ice in an NHL arena. Until tonight, when the Blue Jackets take on the Red Wings, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.